Hello, and welcome to the Purdue AggieCon podcast, the podcast for experts and innovators in agriculture. I'm Haley Fisher. On today's episode, Dr. Foster and I talk to Associate Professor Dr. Katari about her research in health equity, government assistant programs, and her past research with Purdue students in health and labor economics. Stay tuned. Listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I'm Ken Foster, Professor of Agricultural Economics here at Purdue University, and with me is my co-host, Haley Fisher, who is a junior in Agricultural Economics. Haley, how are things going? Doing well, Dr. Foster. I'm just getting through some exams today and final projects this week, so overall going really well. Yeah, winter break's just around the corner, and looks like we've made it through another semester without really too much impact from COVID. I'm really pleased. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with the students and their continued, I think, diligence toward those sorts of things. But yeah, so just for our uh, listeners, we're working on Zoom today again, and um, so please forgive any recording quality issues that we might have here. So Haley, you want to introduce our guest today? Yes, so I'm going to be introducing Dr. Katari, who's an Ag Econ professor who started in 2015. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and, and you're recently promoted to associate professor, right? Yes, yes. This is my first semester as an associate professor. Well, congratulations. And maybe Dr. Katari, just a bit of the flavor of the research that you do. Okay. So hi, I um, started as a development economist at Minnesota, and then slowly I wanted to study obesity. Somehow from my personal experience, from my uh, peers' experience, and so I was like, oh, I want to study what are some of the causes of obesity. And I started working on obesity. I did my dissertation related to health outcomes and labor outcomes. And then uh, when I was on the job market, there was a job at Purdue, and there were jobs at several other universities, but when I visited Purdue, Purdue, uh, the faculty at Purdue in the department were the, I felt, were the most um, ones, ones that made me feel, you know, that um, that feeling, what we say, the mushy feeling, <laughs> the warm mushy feeling. <laughs> and so I chose Purdue. And so I'm here now. I've been here for six and a half years now. That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, the courses that you teach and maybe a little bit about your interactions with students. Yeah, so I teach the Agricultural Economic, AgEcon 327, the uh, Principles of Food and Agribusiness Marketing. I have been teaching it for a while. Very recently, or recently as in since last three years, it has been offered online. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope most of the students enjoy the class and learn. Um, it is a required class, so it is required for them to like it, I hope, I guess. And, um, you know, since it has been offered um, virtually, a lot more students across the campus are able to take the course. People from uh, industrial engineering take that course, not, I mean, agricultural economics, they are, uh, students from agricultural economics do take, take the course, but people from, uh, students from polytechnic, people from industrial engineering, uh, consumer sciences, they are all, you know, we now have a diverse uh, student body who take that course. That's great that you're making that important information available to a broader group of students because, you know, it doesn't really matter uh, what area you go into. If you go and work in industry, you're going to come face to face with, uh, you know, 
issues of marketing of a product or service, uh, engineer, economist, uh, you name it, right? Everybody's got to face the marketplace in the end. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it's an important class, and I'm glad a lot of other students are able to take that class too. Yeah, so working with students, um, could you talk a little bit about the research you've done as undergraduate research myself? It's really interesting to hear about other projects that have been done with researchers in ag economy. Yeah, so, you know, I classify myself as a health and labor economist, and um, I mainly study, or till now I was studying the effect of, uh, my research was focused on studying the effect of governmental policies or change in governmental policies or behavioral nudges, economic interventions, um, and how they affect individual health, you know, the health outcomes. And I was talking about obesity, their physical exercise behavior, uh, labor outcomes, and educational outcomes. So, uh, but you know, now my um, focus is now bifurcated in two directions. One where I study, you know, recent changes in governmental uh, assistance programs and policies, such as Medicaid expansion or uh, changes in minimum wage, minimum wage increases on food insecurity, again, food safety and labor outcomes. And the second part is more focused on health equity, health or health inequity, and especially in uh, rural areas. So, I'm, and this is a newer newer uh, area that I'm working on, where we I'm trying to um, study the relationship between availability of infrastructure or, for example, like broadband access um, on health outcomes in rural areas and especially in rural seniors. So, um, you know, there are several factors that there is for this inequity in um, healthcare access, not having insurance, uh, socioeconomic barriers, language barriers, uh, transportation barriers, not being able to, you know, access um, hospitals. And also one very, very important one is shortage of healthcare uh, professionals. So those are the two things that I'm trying to work on. That's where I spend most of my time thinking about these two things. So do you have any like really provocative or interesting results in any of this research yet that uh, you might share with our listeners? So for the first one where I was, I, I was talking about the, studying the effect of governmental policies, which one which is very close to my heart and I'm spending a lot of time thinking about and working on is looking at um, changes in minimum wage policies. So there is a lot of you know, there is a lot of news. Uh, you must be listening it in the news that the federal there, there is a push for changing, increasing the federal minimum wage. But there are several states that have already increased minimum wages. Like for example, I think it was 2012 or 2015 when Seattle increased its minimum wage to $15 over a period of time. And so studying those um, changes in those minimum wages and seeing how they affect um, restaurant violations. So restaurants that we visit, are regularly inspected by public health uh, office, office, officers. And uh, if they find some violations, so, you know, if they have see, they see that, oh, a meat was not cooked properly, or they have a expired coffee in the back, or the tap at the sink is not working, or there is no hot water coming from the tap, or people are not, or the workers are not washing hands. These are all violations. And the, they note these violations and they report them to the restaurant restaurant owner and then the restaurant owner has to make sure that they fix all these violations and they are they are then again re-inspected after a period of time three months six months and so uh, so the aim the aim of the project is to study has the increase in minimum wage had any effect on these violations and there might be two ways 
that the reason I am studying this is because there might be two things that are happening, right? This is a labor economics issue, increase in income, increase in wages. So if your in income increases, does it make you work harder? So increase in, if, my, uh, if the minimum wages increase, I'm getting paid more. I work at a restaurant. So I want to, you know, my labor outcome improves. There might also be a case that, oh, the income in, uh, minimum wage increases. So it is a higher cost for the restaurant worker, restaurant owner, because now they have to pay higher wages. And so now are they are going to reduce the staff. And so if they are reducing the staff, there is more work that has to be done by less number of workers. And so uh, is that leading to a increase in violations? Yeah, well, I've just... Uh, stage of investigation. Um, so what we found was, and this is and this is preliminary, but what we found was that there was a decrease in employer, you know, people who are who work at the restaurant. So there was a decrease in their violations, but there was an increase in employee employer related violations. So people who own the restaurants. So violations. So because we have all this data, we collected this data. You know, we called a lot of people and collected all this data, which is uh, from governmental agencies. So there is this data that is available, which tells you whether a violation is because of an employer or the employee, right? For example, if, some, if people are not washing hands, that's an employee violation. But if the tap is broken, then that's an employer violation, right? So we can look at those things. And, we, and so we saw that the employer level violations are going up, which means, which you know, it might be one reason is that uh, the cost has increased for the employer to keep the restaurant running. Restaurant businesses are, you know, very difficult and not always profit making. And so that might be one of the reasons. And this is preliminary, right? This is really preliminary. So. Yeah, so basically both of your hypotheses are uh, seem to be like uh, reinforced here, right? The workers are working harder and uh, the employers are having to cut costs somehow and they're choosing to cut costs in in a non-employee sort of way but having an impact nonetheless it's a, that's very interesting yeah 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 could you just highlight a piece of work that you did with a student and what they really gained from that from what you know um so one of uh he just graduated his name was nick bowser he um graduated and i think he works um in dc uh, as a political aide, and uh, he worked with me. Uh, he started working with me when he was a junior, and we collected data from uh, a food bank in Lafayette, Food Finders. And he worked on that project, and the um, aim uh, of that project was to give nutrition education to the uh, food bank clients, give them information about the nutritional ranking. So we knew what the food items were in the food bank on a given day. And we used to get that information, we used to rank them. We had an algorithm that ranked those food uh, items and it was very easy. You know, if it is a can of beans, which is very healthy, it gets five star. And if it is a candy bar, then it gets zero star. So that, you know, the, the food bank clients, it's easier for them and less time consuming to understand the nutritional content. And so we used to give that information to them and then we used to, uh, note what all choices they have made so that was that and that was the project that nick helped me with and he wrote his uh, undergraduate thesis on it was he able to uh determine whether it had any impact providing that information 
So uh, this is interesting. It had an impact on women and women who are uh, future biased, as in who, uh, you know, uh, um, when we talk about time preferences, we talk about people who are present bias. So they find um, they are happier if they um, you they get most utility by spending money now as compared to those who uh, save money so that they can spend in the future. And so we had a, we did a survey and in the survey we used a psychology psychometric scale to elicit their present bias and future biasness. So only those women who were future biased. And uh, it wasn't very high in magnitude, so it wasn't a big difference, but it was statistically significant. So that, that was the only thing that we could find. Yeah, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about the work that you did here where you collected data from students about their health behaviors and, um, and their uh, food waste behaviors. I know, you, I know you've moved on to some other research, but... Mm -hmm. But it's so Purdue centric and so centric to our students that I'm just curious about if you could talk a little bit about that. Yes. So there are two two projects that I did with the students. One was in the dining halls. One was at the Korek. So the the dining hall was we um, gave incentive to the students in the dining hall, and this was done with a master student of mine. So we gave incentive to the students in the dining hall to clean their plate. So you know the two things if they have an incentive, either they take less food on their plate and eat all of it, or they take as much food as they want and they, and they eat, overeat. So two things, were two things were happening. So that was, that was uh, the, and we saw that the incentive actually helped the probability of cleaning the plate, but it did not reduce food waste. So, mm. you know, so it did not reduce food waste, but people, you know, they, they got, brought the food and they ate all of it. But if those who were wasting, they were still wasting the, wasting the food. Okay, yeah. so so you may have incented some people to overeat, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't and didn't reduce any uh, didn't reduce any food waste. Okay, well that's too bad. Yeah, um, Dr. Katari, I saw that you received the research grant award from the Butler Center for Leadership Excellence yesterday. So yes. could you tell us a little bit about that? And congratulations, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, that research grant is um, it's uh, funded by the Seth and Ranade um, Family Endowment and the Butler Center, and it is um, you know it 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 is uh, aligned with the mission of Butler Center for bringing in equity and um, uh, increasing diversity in the academic discourse. And so the, this research grant was mainly it. it it is on social networks in academia and how those social networks determine the membership or selective membership in um, leadership roles in academic uh, organizations and uh, journal editorial boards. So this this is this project is mainly focused on assessing diversity in journal editorial boards and leadership um, leadership positions in the academic institutions. Where um, what we want to look at is, or what I want to look at is, look at it is, uh, is there a network effect? Is there a hierarchy? in gaining these positions, is this a journal editorial board? Or are all these positions concentrated in a certain uh, demographic or certain number of institutions in academia, right? And um, in the same way, the leadership roles also, are they also concentrated in certain demographic or in certain institutions in academia? So are there only four or five institutions where we repeatedly get all the editors? And those editors, do they repeatedly only uh, 
appoint those members uh, members of the editorial board who are their grassroots or who are their colleagues or who are their co-authors. So just that that is just it's just that simple. It's a simple question that I ask. Yeah. Yeah, simple but really important, right? Because if we don't foster that kind of uh, you know diversity of thought in positions of editorship and direction of professional associations, then we can't expect uh, diversity to thrive and diversity of thought to survive in academia. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for tackling that. It's really important. Yeah. So I've been wanting to do this for a while and I was, you know, it's slowly I was collecting data because you, I need to collect data from everybody who is, and I am only looking at agricultural economists. So I need to get everybody's CV, everybody's salaries, oh, wow. all their Google Scholar. <laughs> It's so a lot of I'm, data collection. Yeah, it's a lot of data collection. So me, that's the thing. So I was doing it slowly, but then then there was this opportunity, and I was like, okay, I can try. I can apply for it and see if they like it. Great. That's ex That's excellent. Yeah. You've been listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. You can visit the department at www.agecon.purdue.edu. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter. Thank you so much. Have a good holiday.